Father Rosie, pocket full of Rosie, ashes, ashes, we all fall down. Uh, April 6, 2020. This is the uh, Rogue Philosopher podcast. If I can find the goddamn phone, put it right here. Should be right here. Why isn't it? Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, there it is. All right. This is the uh, Rogue Philosopher. Today we're going to, uh, I'm going to discuss a Black Mirror episode. So this is a spoiler alert for any of you that are, haven't watched it. You must. It's absolutely amazing. Um, it's a spoiler alert, Black Mirror episode, but it's also COVID-19. I don't have much to say about that because I don't want my voice to add noise to the signal, right? The voices that, uh, that you ought to be listening to are the authorities in your state or country. Uh, most of us are on lockdown now across the globe. Uh, this is a dangerous virus. It's, it's unpredictable in younger people, whether or not it will kill you or make you very sick. And in our elderly, it's that's sort of a lottery too. I mean, a lot of them are surviving, but the death rate is vastly higher. And so we need to protect the people we love, our, 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 our mothers, our grandmothers, our grandfathers, uh, great uncles. We, we need to protect these people in our lives that, that, that hold the wisdom of life for us. Because they, they, they're special. We, can't, we cannot allow them to be put in danger. If they say quarantine, lockdown, then we better well bloody quarantine and lockdown, okay? Because, you know, even if you're in your early 20s and you're strong and you're healthy, yeah, you probably won't get hurt by this virus. It'll probably make you sick for a few days and you'll be all right. But it's, it's like Russian roulette because there are some young people, the scientists don't know why, uh, that contract the virus, get real bloody sick and die. And they don't know why. And there's no, you know, like there was an Olympic, I think there was an Olympian, like an Olympic athlete. And he was dead. He was dead in like five days. So this is, this is nothing to fuck with, all right? This thing, it's a, it's a natural disaster. I know they're talking a lot about war and for fighting the virus. And, and it's an enemy we can't see. I've never seen so much traffic on this road. I don't, I don't understand it. It's, it's, this whole county is supposed to be locked down, and I'm, every two minutes there's a motherfucking vehicle of some kind or other. I mean, this is... To, to deviate for a moment from my... my uh, uh, I don't know what you'd call it. Uh, I don't like that metaphor, really. I don't like... You know, it's not a war. This is not a fight. Or a, it, it, I mean, I guess it kind of is. It feels like it because you're in a battle for your life, right? And we have to act as though we're in combat with an enemy. But it isn't. It's a natural disaster. Viruses aren't alive. They're not. They're crystals. They're crystals. They get into your cells and they wreck the cell. And they, they damage the cell such that it produces more crystals. The cell's alive. The virus can only live if it's invaded living cells. It's not... It's, it's a natural disaster, like a storm, like an earthquake. Okay, this isn't a war. You know, uh, and, and I'm not sure how helpful that metaphor really is. I think it scares people. It, it's good to be nervous. It's good to be cautious. But to be terrorized? I don't know if I like what the media has done in the last month with this virus. You know, uh, but yes, should we be afraid? Yes, all of us should be afraid. Why? Because a tsunami is scary and it kills people. Okay, but it's not, nobody ever looked at that tsunami and said, wow, we have to fight a war against the tsunami, it's an enemy. No, because it was a natural disaster. The, the virus is a natural disaster. This is not, 
like an enemy. It's, it's a terrible metaphor. I hate it because people like they had this, for instance, if they get cancer, they get cancer and their body's wrecked and they have the chemo. Most of the chemo, they're still using um, mustard gas derivatives for chemotherapy or, or serious heavy metal, platinum, stuff that kills the fuck out of you, right? And they have some immunotherapy now. They're starting to improve cancer treatment now, but it's in the early days. So, you know, for the last hundred years, we've, we've been pumping mustard gas and toxic heavy metals into people to try to kill their cancer. And then radiation, you know, and it's a, it's sort of a, a game of chicken with, with, um, it's a game of chicken with your life because it's killing you and it's killing the cancer and what will it kill, whatever it kills first is determinant of whether or not it's a cure. So if you're lucky and enough of you are still alive and the cancer's dead, then you're cured. Good, good for you, it's in remission. But if it's not, then you die and the cancer dies and it no longer matters, everything is dead. Uh, but it does work, you know, it does, it does work. So I'm not entirely dissing the treatments, they're devastating, they're, they're, they're poisonous, but they work. Most people do survive. We have good enough medical care now in 2020 that a lot of the damage that these things do can, can be treated. But it's still kind of a, a scary thought for me, you know, pl these things are dangerous and they have to be. Cancer is more dangerous. So I'm not saying, uh, here we go, let's see if it works. The bag's not ruffling, so maybe it's blocking it. <clears throat> yeah, leaving those bells. I mean, I'm surrounded by all these bells. I'm out here in the middle of this rural county, isolated. It's very rural. It, you know, it's very few people. I think there's 2,950 people in the greater area of this town where I live, Bristol, uh, uh, the state of Maine. Um, it's usually a very rural, very peaceful place. A lot of the economy is driven by, uh, it's driven by tourists who come here in the summer to have a week or two vacation. They go out, they see the islands, they, uh, they, they want to check out the, the harbor down here, New Harbor, it's where I grew up. It's a fishing harbor that's, it's an authentic harbor. It's still in business. It hasn't changed for maybe 80 years. Uh, it's not, you know, a lot of these towns have kind of sold out to the tourists. They're more kitschy, they're more for hipsters. Everything is expensive. Well, this here is somehow, it hasn't gone that direction, but it's still all the, it still fills up with summer people here. <clears throat> There's a lot of cabins down on the Pemaquid Point area. There's a lot of, uh, tourists, this hotel, you know, like a, a bed and breakfast or something like that. Uh, I don't expect they'll be here this summer, though. I don't think the quarantine is going to be lifted for for a long time. Um, but in any case, what was I was yammering about cancer? I, I know almost nothing about it, but they have better treatments for it. What I mean is the, the metaphor they often use, right? They'll say, he, he lost his battle with, with uh, lung cancer. Metastatized stage four lung. He lost his fight. That's somehow... Okay, that's not... Instinctively, I understand why we have to say it. But it's a terrible thing to say, in a way. Because then what you're saying, effectively, is he failed to win the fight. It was his fault that he died. It's not a fight. You're, you're not doing anything. I mean, you... you uh, I mean, Christopher Hitchens, right? Uh, he, he basically said, <clears throat> when he was dealing with his cancer that eventually did kill him, he said, look, it's not a fight. You're helpless. They pump the stuff into you. There's, you're not doing anything. There's nothing you can do. It's not a fight. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, 
a discord in your body. The cells need to be killed. It's their cells that uh, lose their mandate. They're immortal. They don't die. The telomeres are all screwed up on them. They live forever, and they function for themselves. They take your blood. They take your nutrients. They take enough from you until they fill your body up and kill you. Right. Uh, and, and they have this horrible metaphor where you, you are in a fight, and you either win or lose. Well, no, you're not. No more than it is for this virus. It's crystals. It, it is scary. I understand that. I'm scared of it, too. But to say we're in a battle with this virus, I think it's an unnecessary... What, it, what, what they ought to be telling us is, look, this is a bad virus. It's a natural disaster. It's a, it's a natural disaster the same way a hurricane is, or an earthquake, or a tsunami. These things kill people. But nobody stands up and says, oh, we're in a fight with this earthquake. We have to do battle with the earth because the earth is trying to kill us and it's malignant and it's evil and it's diabolical. No, no. And it's no different for this. It's no different for viruses because they're not alive. And even bacteria, I mean, they're alive, but we're pretty good at killing them, but they're kind of good at killing us. So, I mean, it depends on the circumstances. You know, but it's never a fight. A disease is, is it's an imbalance. It's a deadly problem, perhaps a life-threatening. But it's never, it's never like, you're in a, in a, I just, I don't, that metaphor troubles me. I mean, I, I get it. I get it. I get why people say it, but, but nobody ever says to hurricane, uh, the hurricane, right? Hurricane Katrina, the, the deaths weren't caused because the hurricane killed people because it was evil. Okay. The deaths were, were caused because human beings failed to live properly and take correct precautions to deal with it when it hit. So when it hit, a lot of people died because the city infrastructure was poor, because the, the levees were poor. They hadn't been maintained. I saw something in 1990, 89-90, okay, on 2020, where they were talking about the levees in New Orleans, and that if a big storm came, the city was below sea level, and if those levees went, the city would flood. Well, that's what happened in 2005. Why? Because they didn't fucking build the levees up, and they were irresponsible, and they allowed poor people to die. It wasn't because the storm, uh, the enemy of humankind came and swept in and was lethal and malignant and killed people and it was a murdering bitch. We even named it Katrina. No, it was a, it was a, a bunch of wind and water. And if people had been able to leave or they had better, stronger resistance to the storm, better shelter, okay, nobody would have died. But it was our fault we died. It, it was not the storm, it was the people. And a lot of the people were too poor to leave, and they were trapped by, by a, a, a devastating economic inequity. And I'm not, this isn't Marxism, I'm just making, this is a point. The ones who died were poor. And they took them, and they rounded them up, and they put them in the Superdome, which was about the stupidest thing, and unimaginably stupid. I remember at the time I was watching that. Utter stupidity. I couldn't believe they did that. Incredible. Okay, and more people died. Well, of course they did. What the fuck would you expect? Of course they did. You put them in the Superdome, it, it collapsed, people died. Oh yeah, right, okay. Really? Idiots. Okay, and, and this is the same thing. It's another, nat think of it as a natural disaster, not as an invisible evil enemy that's coming to kill you. Okay, it's, it, one should be afraid of it. Yes, I am. It's just a crystal. It's a protein crystal. 
okay? And there's stuff that we can do so that it won't reach us. We can, there's a lot of stuff we can do to prevent ourselves getting it. It's, it, they don't quite know what it does yet. They don't know why it affects some people more than others. Uh, locking down might help. It might slow its, its the, the, the rate of uh, the climb of people getting sick and unfortunately dying. Uh, but if this virus is running amok, and it's, it's, it, it's, the, it's the fault of humans, you know, and I'm, I'm, not, I'm not blaming anyone in particular because it's, we're, all, we're all locked down together. This is, this is a, a message to us. You know, this natural disaster is demonstrating to us that we're not connecting in a way that's conducive to health of society or of individuals. We need to be more altruistic. Okay, so again, I, I, I pretty much, I don't want to say any more about this. It, just except to say, look, I don't know how many of you are out there. I know some of you are from different countries. Uh, uh, I think there's someone from Brazil, from Germany. Uh, you're not alone. We're all together in this as a global people facing this pandemic, right? We're all facing, it's a natural disaster. We're facing it together. Most of us are locked down. Um, if, if you're locked down, and right now you're listening to my voice, it's pretty certain to me that you're probably safe, uh, you feel okay, uh, no need to be afraid at this moment. And nobody's alone. This is, this is our, a lesson for us, that, that um, we need to connect in a way that's more beneficial for us, for each other. You know, and in a way, the masks are a perfectly good example of it. You know, they, they, they're saying, uh, now they're contradicting themselves, but now they're saying we should wear masks, right? So in case I have the virus, I won't get you sick. Or if you have it, you won't get me sick. The masks won't stop me from getting sick. It will prevent you from being sick because of me, right? That's an altruistic act. That's when you, you're, you're holding up your end, I'm holding up my end, but my end is I'm responsible for you for your well-being, for your health, for your life. Your life is in my hands. And if I'm incompetent, it's, then it's my fault that you die, right? And it's the same on the other, other side, right? That's a lesson for us. We have to do better. It's a lesson. But I don't want to sound too preachy, so I need to stop at this moment. But I just want to, if I can reassure, I'm not so good at that, I don't think. I can just gently reassure you all that we're, we're all together in this. Nobody's alone, okay? There's a lot of good reasons to be concerned and afraid, but but nobody nobody is alone. We're we're all facing this together. We're facing this as one global united human race, okay, in our countries of origin or states wherever they are. And some states and countries are doing better than others. I don't know quite how to measure it just yet because they don't really know. They don't understand what what makes this thing tick yet. They haven't figured it out, but they will. They're working on a vaccine in Israel. They think by the 1st of June it'll be prepared for human testing. And this whole furor about uh, hydroxychloroquine, okay, they have anecdotal evidence that the drug saves people. So they injected people with it and they didn't die. Okay, hello. I don't need any more convincing. Give them the hydroxychloroquine and the azithromycin, okay? It works, give it to them. What, what the doctors are saying, though, is there hasn't been... There hasn't been a scientific double-blind experiment yet. There haven't been clinical trials. Uh, fine, fuck the trials. Give the people the drugs. The, the downside of it is we don't know the correct dose. 
that's the only thing right now that we don't that they don't seem to know because they haven't had clinical trials. Well, in South Korea, their their treatment protocol was hydroxychloroquine, 400 milligrams, twice a day. Okay, they've pretty much stopped the outbreak in South Korea. It's done, right? There's no one dying. That most people have survived it, uh, but they locked down their country. They learned. They learned because four years, five years ago, they were hit with a similar uh, coronavirus. Middle East Respiratory Syndrome, okay? It's also a coronavirus, it's very deadly. And it hit South Korea, it hit them hard. And so they were, they were able to learn from that experience. So they were, you know, they contained it eventually and it didn't get as out of hand as COVID-19 is, right? Or SARS, uh, SARS-CoV-2, I think. It's the, the, the coronavirus uh, uh, SARS-2. Severe acute respiratory syndrome too. Uh, it's gotten out of hand in this case for a lot of reasons. I think there's a lot of people who are who are responsible for this thing getting out of control through one mistake or another. You know, or uh, there's a lot of suspicion that that in China the Chinese government didn't tell us everything we need to know. That's probably correct. Um, but. Just to say that we're we're in this all together, and it's it's a, it's something we're all all uh, facing equally. I mean, where I'm where I am right now, it couldn't be more idyllic, right here. I mean, it couldn't be more idyllic in, in, in country, uh, deep in the woods, uh, pretty much in the forest. Um, I'm only a mile from the ocean, from the sea, so it's it's very, it's people, a lot of people would love to be in this place right now. I'm lucky in that. Uh, and it's probably one of the safest places in the world. I mean, if you're in a very rural village or something, you're probably safe too. Make sure just track anyone who comes in, pay, pay attention. Um, you know, but I, I, I've said too much, that's enough, I mean, because I, we, we should be listening to it. And as far as they're competent, I'm not sure all of them are, but we should be listening to our healthcare professionals, our scientists, our physicians. Uh, when our authorities, when the authorities tell people to lock down, there's probably better things they should have done or could have done. Uh, but, you know, the, the thing that I fear most of all, and I won't say more about it except one sentence, is that if if we allow this, if we allow our infrastructure to collapse too much, then we'll be dealing with violence and chaos on a scale that's not been seen in a long time. And that's because of the collapse of our society. Let's hope to whatever there is up there. I mean, I'm not a religious person. No atheists in foxholes, however. And I, I, do, I do feel like if the, the humans are capable through atheogens athe or, you know, hallucinogenics or mysticism, they're capable of having these experiences of the divine or of higher consciousness. It must serve a purpose then. Uh, it must serve a higher purpose. We know that if we give people high doses of psilocybin, all their mental problems go away. They're healed. If we give someone extremely high doses of LSD, all they're, they're healed. Okay, they don't know why, but it works. When you have a super high, high mystical experience, one of these days I'll talk about that. It does. It, it turns you into a different human being. It, it elevates your consciousness. It makes you, in most cases, mysticism 
no matter what the religion is. It, it makes you see humans as a, as a, as a connected whole. Right, that we're 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 not separated. We're spiritually all we're made of the same stuff. We're all connected in ways we don't understand. And and the religious people, usually the mystics are both very revolutionary. They realize the doctrine doesn't work for them. But they're also very conservative because they know the doctrine left, right, and center. Okay, if you go to a if you walk into a Zen monastery, and they talk about if you meet Buddha on the road, kill him. Uh, burn all the the sutras. Okay, they know the suit. They've memorized the goddamn sutras. All right, they 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 don't need them anymore because they've memorized them. They're not just saying let's burn all the books because it's fun being a Zen mystic. Oh no, they they have it all memorized. They've studied those scriptures on a level that that we we don't have in the West really, unless you go into a monastery, whether it's an Orthodox or a Catholic monastery. And you sit in a cell for five years. What do you think they're doing all that time? They're reading the scriptures of their religions and they're praying. And they're memorizing the damn things. And they go through them over and over and over again. Right? So it's not, it's not you know, being a hippie rebel when the Zen mystic says, <laughs> we don't need them. We don't burn them. You know, burn the Buddha. No, it's because they've reached a level of, of enlightenment that they've attained a level of consciousness such that they're not imprisoned by the dogma of their faith, whatever it is. They're not entrapped by rules, okay? It's, it's Zarathustra, right? Nietzsche wrote uh, in the beginning of Thus Spoke Zarathustra, the development of a human being, they start out uh, as a camel, okay? And then the camel, that's when we're young, we're learning the rules of our society. We're, we're being loaded up with our education, right? We're being, we're being trained to function in our society such that there's no, we're not running around breaking the law. You know, we, we know the laws, okay? The one doing the, the, the in piling of the burden on the back of the camel is a dragon. The dragon is called thou shalt, okay? And his scales are covered in all these different principles, the, the commandments, the principles, the laws of, uh, and uh, he was thinking of Christians, but it could apply to any religion, uh, you know, where you, you're fed the rules and you learn them and you learn that you need to be good or Santa won't bring you the present or you know the Easter Bunny won't bring you the chocolate or Christ won't let you in or St. Peter won't keep you he won't let you in the gates uh, when you die you know uh, you're, you're a camel load me up I, 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 I accept the load I accept the burden but at a certain point and this is a point we've all been through most of us haven't successfully passed it but you reach a point where you become a lion the lion, his nature, what he says, is, I will. And the dragon says, no, thou shalt. And now the lion must kill the dragon in order to become free. Okay? Now that's us. That's our middle maturity. When we're teenagers, young adults, we start to break away from what we're taught because we start to learn and realize that these things may have had a purpose at one point. But when you grow up, you start learning that a lot of these things people tell you isn't true. And you might become very angry, very rebellious. You really want to break free. If you're more of a, of, a, of, a, of a spiritual conscious, if you're examining consciousness in some way, you'll take these atheogens and it'll open your mind. It'll make you a better person, a different person. I'm not, I'm not competent to say that you should go out and take drugs, but what I've seen dem demonstrates to me that I think they work. I haven't taken them myself yet, but 
so I can't, I can't entirely advocate, oh, go take some drugs. But, but there's pretty clear evidence that the damn things do what people say. They help heal. They strengthen your, your nature. They make you more empathic. They make you more humane. And they open your mind. So you think. You're not just following the rules and doing what you're told because that's a, a low level of consciousness. You're on, you're on autopilot. No, the, these things, or mysticism or whatever, this stuff gives you a sense of higher consciousness. And you're probably still going to follow the laws, okay? But you're not following them because they're telling you to. And you're not following them because you think you need to follow them because, well, what else is there? You're following them because you realize that, at least in a certain sense, these laws keep societies from falling apart into chaos. But you're also a free spirit because you're able to step outside of these traditions and, and reach people on a higher level. Okay, and I don't know if I've talked much about Maimonides and his, the silver level and the gold. I mean, I can briefly allude to it. Um, he said that the Torah, now the Torah is the law in Judaism, but it's also the light, okay, is, is, is uh, a silver apple with gold filigree. Okay, a silver apple with gold filigree. And that's from Proverbs. I, I can't remember the verse. I don't know exactly. It's in the book of Proverbs where you talk about the silver apple and the gold filigree. Okay, it's in Maimonides. It's also in the the Guide of the Perplexed. It's pretty early on. I don't remember the page right now. I don't have it in front of me. Okay, silver apple, gold filigree. What does he mean? He means that there are people who are the silver apple. They're following the law. The law is beautiful. It serves a purpose. It maintains society. It it helps people. Uh, it, it comforts them when we have disasters, like maybe like this one. Okay, it gives people something to hold on to because they're they need it. They need it. They need to be comforted. They need to know that there's order, that there's a there's a stable, rational reason for everything that's happening, or even that there's a, a religious purpose to it. And you can apply any cliche one one would like. I mean, it, they're cliches because at one time they worked. But we've emptied them of their meaning. That's why they're cliches now, because we've used them up. We've emptied them of their meaning. You know, God, God has a plan. Well, there's no God. I mean, it, it doesn't matter, right? But most of us still feel like, you know, even me, when my father died, right? You, you have things that hit you so hard. You need to feel like there's something up there. You know, even if you know there isn't. I knew there wasn't. Still, I, I you know, what do you do? You lose your parent. It's terrible. Um, so most people are on the silver level. The silver level is kind of like, even if you're an adult, it's childlike. It's a childlike level of consciousness. Even if you don't believe there's a man up in the sky, you might believe there's a force, an entity of light, you know, there's a, there's a being up there that you can ask for help that will help you that will make your pain go away or, or, or give you an understanding of what the purpose is. Right? What's the purpose to this? There's a higher purpose. What's the destiny? A door closes, a window opens, right? There, there, there's a reason I've been given this trial, right? That's the silver. Now, the gold level, they still follow the scripture. They still follow everything. You know, the people who talked about the gold level were rabbis. They were the lawgivers of their community. They, they led their people through horrific ordeals. I mean, plagues, fires. Uh, uh, riots where they're being exterminated, killing, you know, anti-Semitic. They're being, they're being murdered. They're being uh, driven out of their homes. And they're, they're facing terrible stuff we can't even imagine today, right? Terrible stuff. I mean, I suppose if you, 
if you're 50 or older and you lived in Russia or in the Soviet Union, you, you might have a, you have a pretty damn good idea about human suffering if you live there. Okay, but most of us here in the West, we don't, it's, we're, we don't know what that's like. Okay, but the gold level The gold level will acknowledge that there are higher forces, okay? There is something that's higher, and, and it was done by the divine. But there's also nothing there, okay? They know that. They understand that, that if you violate the law, nothing will happen to you from divine. Okay, you won't be struck by lightning. You won't be stricken with plague, okay? They, 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 they understand. These, they're, they're complex, and they're not lawbreakers. But they understand that there isn't a literal thing up there that's going to punish you for your thoughts or your actions. You might get punished by your society if they catch you, but they may not catch you, and nothing will happen to you. Now, why? That's, I'm not even doing it justice. It's far more complex than that, and it's not so crass as that, okay? But what it means is that they understand and they're mature enough to understand it, and they still follow the law, okay? But they understand that a lot of people, if they grew to realize that, they're not mature enough, and you'd have society, you'd have social breakdown, you'd have anarchy. Maimonides knew that. I don't have any idea why there's so much fucking traffic. It's incredible. Yesterday I could have sat out here for an hour, and not a single car would have gone by, and that would have been in the middle of the day. I don't understand this. So once again, we're back. This is the Rogue Philosopher. Uh, in the COVID-19 lockdown, it's the 6th of April, 2020. Uh, it's about uh, 3.30 in the afternoon, maybe 4 o'clock. The sun is out for the first time in a long time. It's really, it's really quite beautiful. I mean, it's, it's, it's like something you'd put on a postcard, you know? I mean, so enough, I, I, I've said enough about Maimonides for the moment, but, okay, wait. Car's gone. If that sounds good, that that wind with the bells, that might be cool. Um, you could loop that as an, an. Well, you know what I mean, right? By room tone, where you um, you loop the background noise uh, and and put it behind the voice, like on a separate track. I think you can do that with your recording software. You can have like four tracks or eight tracks or something. You can you can anyway. Uh, when you reach that point, okay, picking up again, Rogue Philosopher 2020, April 6, COVID-19, uh, this is the episode about Black Mirror. This is the first episode I'm doing about Black Mirror. Spoiler alert. Watch it first. The episode I'm going to be talking about today is called White Christmas. Resuming the recording, um, or the discussion or whatever. 
So the lion has to slay the dragon in Nietzsche's uh, uh, example. The lion must kill the, the thou shalt. But all the lion is capable of doing is killing it. The lion says, I will. Okay, that's when you're a teenager, maybe, or a young adult. That's when you have to throw off the conventions. You have to find your own way. Okay? Most people don't get through that. Sorry, I mean, kill the messenger. Okay, most people don't. I'm not even sure I have. Most people still, they still need that structure. Right? They never quite break free. You know? Well, then we're trapped by the image of what it means to be a successful person in, in, in this country. Okay? By, by all measurements. Any measurement that you could apply. Go on Facebook. You, the person is married. How beautiful, right? They're on a vacation. How lovely, right? They're in fucking Cancun or something, okay? Or they're, they, 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 they're pretty or they're uh, successful. They're like all the damn trappings of success. By every measure, I'm a complete and total failure and blind, right? So, I mean, that's, that's just, that, you, that fucks you up, okay? Most of us still follow that because most people... They want the trappings of success. That's what they feel makes them a whole person. And they're not wrong. You know, it's, it's not a bad thing to have the white picket fence and 2.3 children and the beautiful wife. And, you know, if you're really rich, the trophy wife. You know, if you're really very rich, you can have an autumn romance and buy your, your spring wife for your autumn romance, right? Yeah, I'm kind of being contemptuous of that a little bit. Um, but people... Feel they need that, and that's how they measure their their worth, their self worth, uh, how they they imagine others interpret them. They think that they understand how other people will interpret them according to these rules. Oh wow, you're doing really great, John. Look, you're keeping up with the Joneses. I mean, damn, you've got it all: the 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 sports car, the the white picket fence, the the two point three children or whatever. I think it's dropping now because nobody wants to have children anymore the 1.3 children or whatever the two car garage the four car garage right the the beautiful house the two the two story uh Norman Rockwell beautiful house you may or may not have a barn whatever it's Norman Rockwell he always painted fucking barns right uh <laughs> that that's a that's still on the silver level that stuff is still following the rules of society that's still now now the people who are above that are still going to look outside from the outside they're going to look like they're they're obeying those rules they're going to look like that and they they're doing it but they're above it they're mature because for those people the i will has become i am okay that's why in the bible when when uh when yahweh when god speaks to noah or not Noah, Abraham, I'm sorry. When he speaks to Abraham, okay, what does he say? He, he says to him, Abraham, he names him. Okay, and Abraham, what does he reply? Hinani, here am I. I am, here am I. When he spoke to Moses from the burning bush, what did he say? yud ke vav it means I am, I am. And so when you're on a higher level of consciousness, you're on a divine level. Whether there's a God or not is irrelevant. I don't give a damn. I don't think there is. You know, but guess what? I could be wrong. I'm just one guy. I have opinions. I'm one person. I didn't grow up in a religious tradition. I, I longed for it, but I didn't have it. And then there are people who grew up in religious traditions, and they threw them off because they realized, man, this sucks. This isn't true. And, and they have no... 
no God and they have no need for one. But there's still a level of consciousness and that level of consciousness is, is called I am. And humans are capable of it. If humans weren't capable of it, we wouldn't have it in our founding scriptures of our culture. Because we're all basically Christian, whether we are a believer or not. And we're losing that. I don't know what's going to replace it. It's a real pity because even if you aren't religious, you should know your Bible. I, I, I do believe that. I think people, you know, if they're going to, especially if they're, you know, it depends on how militant atheistic they need to be for their purpose. I'm not. I don't, I, I don't see militancy as solving problems. And then they try to make these fake churches where, you know, they're atheists, but they still want the church. And what happens? They collapse and they, they disintegrate because they don't provide stuff that really what people need. It's one thing to have a community and you can sing songs together. You don't need to be in a church to do that. That's not essential. Human contact is essential. But these churches fail, and they fail because what holds a church together is the divine. I mean, if you don't have the divine, you don't have a church, right? I mean, it, it can't be done. That's what I'm saying. It can't be done. They need to find, there's a, they need to find a better way. I'm sure there, they must, there is one. Maybe they'll find it. I don't know. I don't require a church. I know other people who don't require a church. But there's something to be said for this higher level of consciousness. And what it is, no one knows. I don't. All I know from a phenomenological standpoint is people experience this and it's real. It is real. But it's not because there's somebody upstairs in the sky uh, controlling everything. Right? The God doesn't give a damn if you, if you have uh, honey bunches of oats for breakfast, for Christ's sake. You know, and there's some sort of law that forbids you from, you know, having frosted flakes or something. I mean, come on. No, there isn't. There isn't. There's never been. There never will be. It, it's no, there's nothing there. Okay? We do know that the universe has laws that it follows that, and on different levels. What people, most people want is Newtonian physics. So they want, what is real? What is Newtonian? You know, they, they want to prove it's out there in the world. I don't give a damn. All right, from my standpoint... If someone experiences the divine, it's real to them. Then it's real. Who am I to contradict them? Right? And if they take mushrooms and the mushrooms heal them of their anxiety or their depression, or they're dying and they take mushrooms and they're not afraid of dying anymore, how dare I come along and say, oh yeah, yeah it's all in your head, you made it up, it's worthless. It's not. It's an experience of higher consciousness, it's divine. Now, I don't know where it comes from. We, does the brain tune into some higher frequency in the universe? I don't know. Maybe. Everything's energy. We're made of energy. We're electricity. We're made of electricity. Uh, Chris, you'll probably check me on this, which will be fun. One of these days, we'll, we'll, have, to, we'll have to talk about this because it's fun. The neurons, they pump neurotransmitters out into the synapse, okay? And then other nerves do things. Okay, I'm, I'm really simplifying it. I'm not a brain surgeon or whatnot, but, or a neurologist. But, okay, what it is, the neurons, I'm, I'm talking about serotonin or dopamine or whatever. Wait for the car. The synapse pumps the, it, it sucks up the, the neuro, the neuro uh, whatever it is, the neurotransmitter. The, the, whether it's dopamine or serotonin or whatever it is. And then other nerves do things according to what that neurotransmitter is. 
and the nerves are sending out that transmitter for a reason. Now, maybe they're doing it because you're waking up, or they're doing it because you, you feel really sad, or they're doing it because you're falling in love, or they do it because you need to eat something right now. There's a purpose for what they're doing. It's not random. God knows what we've done to ourselves by, by the overuse of these antidepressants. I don't, I don't deny the use for these medicines, but the majority of them are dangerous and overprescribed. Uh, and I think you'd agree with me on that one, Chris, you would. Um, but there's a reason for these things, that they're, they're, act, they're reacting to a certain state. You know, metabolic change, hormonal change. Okay, but what drives all of these things at the core is electricity. It's electricity. The brain has certain frequencies. The nerves in concert pump out different frequencies. It's electrical energy. Your heart, electrical energy. The heart, if you don't have the right electrical balance, it stops beating right and you die. Electrical energy. Those are batteries. The neurons are batteries. They're batteries. A positive and negative cathode, anode. Positive and negative. Neurotransmitter, diffusion. It goes from the positive charge to the negative charge. And then things happen. Bzzz. We're electric beings. We're made of electricity. The universe is electricity, right? The electromagnetic fields are far more important than scientists realize. They think it's nuclear. And the prevailing scientific law says the universe has four forces, the strong nuclear force, the weak nuclear force, electromagnetism, and gravity. Now, they don't know everything yet about these things. They know way more than I do. But I know something they don't know, or they don't want to know. And it's, it's a matter of perspective. I'm, I'm a philosopher. I can talk like this. Okay? It's a matter of perspective. The sun, we don't know what it is. I mean, it's a pretty good model. They say they know what it is. Okay, great. It's a nuclear uh, fusion reaction. The nuclear fusion reaction is the source of the magnetic fields. And there are these gigantic magnetic fields all around the star. You know, so we know that if we stimulate magnetic fields, uh, noble gases in a magnetic field, we get light you know, different light according to the, to the gas, whether it's argon or neon or xenon or whatnot, okay? Why? Why can't it be? Okay, so when, the, when they're firing up their, their fusion uh, reaction, the scientists, they're using magnetic fields to contain the reaction. They can have fusion power, but it's for like a, a hundredth of a second. And the magnetic fields are so strong that, you know, they, they prevent that thing from ever touching the walls of the inside of their chamber, whatever it is, right? What if they have it backwards? I have never seen so much traffic on this road. This is incredible. No, what if, what if they have it backwards? After all, the only way they can make that fusion reaction work is through an exceptionally powerful electromagnetic field. Okay, the, the, um, the CERN in Switzerland, which is supposed to open gates to other dimensions and let demons come in and eat us all up. I think that's all a bunch of bullshit. But the CERN reactions, they're trying to figure out the core of what makes matter matter. You know? What are they using? Electromagnetic fields. They're not using gravity. They're using electromagnetic fields. We are electromagnetic fields. Our bodies give off electromagnetic fields. We have an aura around us. 
uh, of, of energy. It's, it's electromagnetic. It's, it's very weak. I don't know if psychics can see it or not, but you can detect it with certain energy readings. You know, why does infra we give off heat? That heat's because our cells are burning up calories because they need to convert calories to energy. And then it usually gives off heat. It emits heat from us. But the cells only work because of what? Electricity. Sodium ion gates, potassium ion gate channels. Those things open and close because they're regulated by an electrical charge. An electrical charge. And if you get rid of the electricity, everything dies. The nerves die, there's no neurotransmitters, everything stops, bzz, dead. So I, I kind of think we need to take another look at this. I mean, it may or may not change our technology. They've done a hell of a good job with our technology. They can do stuff now, it's almost miraculous, and it's going to become increasingly miraculous as time passes. Um, but what if we have the pyramid structure wrong? The source of it, what if it is electromagnetics? What, I mean, in a steady state, I think it's a steady state universe. I don't buy the Big Bang, I think it's bullshit. Yeah, Chris will kill me about that. You will, right? <laughs> I think it's bullshit, and I've said, I've said why before, because you can't get something from nothing. I think it's just, and all it is really, if you really want to get serious, all the fundamentalists are, are clearly not looking at their uh, arguments very well, because there's no difference between Genesis and the Big Bang. It's the same damn story, and I don't, I don't think it's right. I think it's incorrect. I think matter can't be destroyed or created. I think the universe is steady state. I think when they're talking about seeing all this cosmic background, you know, the, the, the end of the light from the background of the formation of the universe and the Big Bang, yes, it might be there, but we're, their interpretation of it is wrong. And, and they're going to figure that out they're, they're, one of these days. It's a pretty good argument. There's a pretty strong scientific argument for our universe being an electromagnetic universe, an electric universe. But I digress, and this stuff, none of it's necessarily essential to my arguments in the end. Uh, but in any case, the, the, the lion becomes a child in Nietzsche's Zarathustra. And this is pro, it's the prologue. You could, I mean, you can write volumes about two pages from Nietzsche's Thus Spoke Zarathustra. That one little parable, right? Uh, the parable, it's the parable that Zarathustra tells the people in the marketplace, but they don't understand him, and they can't. Why can't they? Because they're on the silver level. They're on the silver level. If I'm on the silver level, and I probably am, if you tell me something like that, that radical, it's not gonna compute, right? It just won't. I don't, I don't have an example that I can call upon to make it tangible for me, to break it down so that I can understand it. Okay. But I, I think it's a pretty good example of how people mature. I think he was on a very high level of consciousness. And when he said that, he more or less meant that the people mature. That's their three stages of maturity. The lion becomes a child. What happens when you're a child? You're not really a child because children are innocent and unlearned. They're, they're, they're naive, but they're beautiful. What makes them beautiful? Well, because, they're, first of all, they're too small to damage us. All right, they're too, they're too little to hurt us. And they have these beautiful, big, beautiful eyes, and, and, and they, they, they're little tiny, they're adorable. You know, the tiniest thing they do, you know, it's, 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 you rejoice over it as they start to grow. They start to say little words, and they, they start to try to walk. You know, they're, they're beautiful, little, little human creatures, right? 
He doesn't mean that that's what you turn into. He means that you break free of all constraints and you determine what you are. And you're a free spirit. He talks a lot about that in several of his books. We free spirits, right? The self-overcoming, that's what the overman is. The overman is not a Nazi with a machine gun. Nietzsche never meant that to be, right? The overman is not the triumph of the will. Okay, I don't remember what is her name at the moment. I got, I'd have to look it up. She lived to be 101. She's a scary chick. Yeah, but, but it's important because that film actually did, there were certain techniques that she used in it. and It was pioneering, but it's abominable. It's, it's a Nazi film, right? It's, it's propaganda for them. It's abominable. Uh, triumph of the will. That's not what Nietzsche meant. Okay, what Nietzsche meant is you transcend yourself. Maybe another way of putting it, I'm, I'm just starting to try to get into this book, uh, thinking fast and slow. I think he meant, you know, you're thinking slow, you're on a higher level of consciousness. But if you're thinking slowly, you're not reacting, you're conscious. If you react to something, you're not conscious, you just have a reaction. It's not real, it's not thinking if you react that way. Okay, that's automatic. If, you're, if your hand is on a stove and it's hot, your hand pulls away, you don't have to think about it. If somebody tells you something that you don't agree with and you get angry, you don't even know why. You just What they're saying is, is wrong and you react. You're not thinking. It's the same thing. It's the same as pulling your hand away from the burning stove. You're not thinking. Or maybe you're on the silver level. Now, what does all this have to do with Black Mirror? I don't fucking know, but whatever, okay? Um, so... I, I have to I have to close this for a moment and, and then move on to Black Mirror just to say look we're, we're, we're all together in this we're all afraid we're all doing what we can to help our neighbors to not get sick to help ourselves we're it's a dangerous a dangerous time but it's also the best time to, to be alive in the history of the world why is that because I can sit here on my on this porch here Okay, in, in North America, in a northern state, you know, I can sit here. I'm not a blind man with a cup asking for charity. I'm poor. Maybe charity would do me some good. I, I don't know if I'd take it. It's, it's repellent to me. Okay, but look, I, my voice can carry across the globe. Some of you, where are you? Brazil, uh, Argentina, right? Fucking Germany, okay? I don't know where else. Uh, Chris hasn't told me. I know there's maybe, what, 10 of you, 10. That's fine. I don't care. Ten people, a million people. It's, it do, it's all the same to me. It doesn't matter. I, I, I maybe should try to do social networking for you. I'm terrible at that. Uh, that's why I don't do it. But I know you're there. And I know you're there. You know I'm there. How can that be? We live in a world... Okay, wait for the truck. And it's dangerous as well, okay? But we live in a world where somebody, and it's better than ham radio. We live in a world where, because of the internet, any Tom, Dick, or Harry, right, can do what I'm doing with their damned iPhone. And their voice carries 10,000 miles. But you know what that also means? It means your voice carries 10,000 miles. And your words, your pictures, all of it carries 10, 20, 30. It could be a million miles. Not in, we've never in the history of the globe, the history of the human beings who walk this earth, we've never ever had that. It's miraculous. 
It's this is the best, in spite of all the terror we have, the violence, the disease, the, this is the best time to be alive. Absolutely. It's, it's better than Gutenberg. It's, it's, it's the best, the biggest revolution of human consciousness that we've, we've ever been allowed to have. So, so don't feel like you're alone. No one's alone. And so now I'm going to go from that optimistic statement to a dystopian world. <laughs> this is great. Okay, so look, Black Mirror, basic summation. Black Mirror, uh, uh, Charlie Brooker, now this is all background stuff. This is you're gonna you'll find this anywhere you look on the internet. Whether it's a website about Black Mirror or people commenting on it, I've seen a couple of those. But I didn't want to watch too many. I didn't want to pollute what I'm saying. Okay, Black Mirror, Charlie Brooker. He's like, you know, the Twilight Zone. Uh, Rod, Rod Sterling, you know, or X minus one, or uh, the Outer Limits, right? Uh, I grew up watching Outer Limits. I'm dating myself, uh, big time. But he, it's 2020, and, and, and Black Mirror is our twilight zone. It's the same as what it was in 1959 for them. And you can do a lot of transgressive questioning through science fiction. Because first of all, no one takes it seriously, except the fans of it who love it, and they're right, because it's amazing. Uh, but you can question aspects of your society without actually attacking people. Because they'll see it as fiction. Nobody will feel like you're attacking them. But it might make them think, right? I mean, who, who, can not, who can watch The Twilight Zone and not walk away going, oh my God. Okay, Black Mirror is the same. Okay, there's five seasons of it on Netflix. Um, uh, it talks a lot in most episodes, and nearly all. There are several variant connecting themes that run through all the episodes. But I chose White Christmas to start with because that episode takes them all. Okay, and what are they? Social networking, that's one. How we rate each other according to our standing on these computer networks, okay? AI, artificial intelligence, okay? That thread weaves through all of this as well. The struggle for or the loss of human individuality in the face of these forces. Most people in Black Mirror episodes, their lives don't end well. Okay, most of them horrible things happen by the end of the episode and they're usually horrible because of some automated something or some technological something. I mean, this is not, it's not a future that we want to live in, but he's not talking about the future in the end. Okay, it's, it's also like 1984. Uh, these things may happen, you know, some of these technological advances are probably going to happen and that includes, you know, virtual uh, virtual uh, reality that's coming okay because when they figure out exactly how the neurons work they can pump electricity into your brain through a helmet they can put electrodes on it or they can drill holes in your skull and put them in your brain okay but but it's going to happen it is it is going to happen all right full stop it's going to happen and so so he critiques that now uh, curse wild 
I don't know a ton. I mean, I used his technology a lot in my life, so I owe him a lot in that. A blind person, I, he, he helped save us from prison, basically, from prison. Okay. He talks about this a lot, that one day we'll be able to download or upload however you want to see it, right? Our consciousnesses into the machine, and the machine can continue to create the reality so we live. We live the lives we live, that we love. Now, Charlie Brooker, because he's Charlie Brooker, okay, what does he do? He understands that if I upload my consciousness into a machine, it's not me. But it is. All right? but, but me, I die. Okay, I'm dead. It's not going to help me if I copy my... It's like making a copy of a document. It's not the original document. It's still the same, but it isn't the original. But the, the, the being that's been uploaded, because you still should refer to them as some, having some level of consciousness or autonomy, or not, is it or isn't it? That's the question. If I've cloned myself or copied myself, they're both the same, right? That copy is me. If you ask that person who they are, they're going to say they're me. And they have all my memories, all my emotions, my fears, my desires. Okay, whatever. But it's not me. I'm dead. But it's still there. Now, there are, there are others who want to say, no, we'll upload you. We will translate you into this machine. You. Right? We will put, build a virtual reality for you, and all you have to do is turn it on. That's a different, so there are two different ways to copy, for, for lack of a better term. For now, let's call it the soul. Obviously, I don't believe in the soul, but for now, let's call it that, just for the sake of continuity in the argument, that your conscious phenomenological experiences are your soul. That's the demonstration that your soul exists, because you have experiences that are on a deeper level than, than the basic reaction. That proves you have a soul. And in the end, that was Descartes' uh, thesis, right? In the end, he said, look, if I can think, that's how I can prove to myself that I am. But in a sense, he was wrong. Okay? And, and to speak very broadly, when the phenomenologists came on the scene, they, their motto was, Husserl in the beginning, back to the things in themselves. What are they? You know, he, he didn't try to separate the object from the subject. The, the, you know, I'm in Newtonian physics or, 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 or uh, 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 what did I say? Descartes, Cartesian, okay? Uh, because they kind of blend together, don't they? Cartesian and Newtonian physics. They're both okay with I'm me, but separate from this. Right? Uh, there's an there's a objective reality. Okay, this porch is objectively real, whether I'm sitting on it or not. It's, 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 it's reality, it's physical presence is permanent until it breaks down or gets old or burns up or whatever. Okay? But it's here, and there are physical laws that it obeys, the laws of our world, that are ultimately universal laws. Okay? I want to repeat this, that I think humans are electrical beings. And I've got to throw this in because it's too cool. I don't know if it's entirely proper for the argument, but it's fucking awesome. Right? Lightning. Where do you think lightning comes from? Yeah? Lightning does not come from this planet. 
Lightning is a result of electromagnetic cosmic rays, uh, uh, gamma rays or something, hitting our atmosphere and charging uh, atoms in, in the atmosphere, positive and negative electric charge. That's where the lightning comes from. It's a reaction of our atmosphere. Right now, there's other ways it might form with electromagnetic. All these electromagnetic fields, they encompass everything. All living beings, put them out. They can everything can be traced electromagnetically. Um, but anyway, it's a worldview. It's a worldview. And the the phenomenologist said, look, this isn't working anymore. It, it it's we know there's more to this than what Descartes says, what Newton says, or what the behavioralists are saying. They were Psychology, phenomenology, philosophy, all of those came from one source at one time or another. Uh, in the ancient days, there was a division between philosophy and theology. But at one point, they were all unified in sort of a, of a whole. Okay? Uh, they drew from theology. So that's how they upload. They, they upload the electromagnetic spectrum of your thoughts. You, you, they somehow they're able to copy them and they, they can bzzz, or if Kurzweil is right, one day you'll remain you. But the being that's uploaded into the machine thinks it's remained you. Okay? And this theme is recurrent over and over and over and over in almost every Black Mirror episode in some way. It's obliquely referred to. Okay, now there's a few other tropes that, that repeat over and over again. There's this old love song that they, it, it's always going on somewhere in the background in every Black Mirror episode. You know, this, this lovely old love song, they're either singing it or they're hearing it. Okay, that, I think he watched Robert Altman's The Long Goodbye. Because Robert Altman, I learned about this from film studies. Okay, Robert Altman, uh, He's died a few years ago, and it's, it's sad. He's, he was one of the greatest directors who ever lived. Okay, Robert Altman made a film called The Long Goodbye. And part of what makes that film tick is the, all of the characters, no matter where Philip Marlowe goes. Okay, it's, 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 a, it's an homage to Philip Marlowe, uh, you know, to uh, Raymond Chandler, okay, to his mysteries, right? Everywhere he goes, he's either humming that song or he's hearing it. That song permeates the entire story. And what is the song? Uh, the song is, it's, we ha it's a, it is a long goodbye, it is, and it happens every day, right? It, it, it's, a, it's, you know, it's amazing. I love it. It's haunting. You keep hearing all these different people singing, it, it's a long goodbye, and it happens every day. I can't remember all the lyrics. I'm sorry, but I mean, if you watch that film a few times, you'll be humming the long goodbye for a few days. It'll be hard to get it out of your head. So Charlie Brooker likes Robert Altman. Awesome. <laughs> okay, awesome. Now there's another recurrent theme of the watcher. Uh, who is watching you and who are you watching? And what does that mean? Okay, I'm watching you, you're watching me. Okay, but then there are others watching us. Right? And there's no privacy anymore and everyone is watching. Always. And that is a recurrent theme all the time in Black Mirror as well, is the Watcher. Who's the Watcher? Okay? The Watchers don't... The Watchers... There's a sort of a balance of power, a struggle between the Watcher and the one who's watched. Okay? But everyone is a Watcher in one way or another. Maybe there's a hierarchy of Watchers. Okay? But 
there are always watchers. Now, now in every, almost in many, many stories, I don't know if it's in every episode. I have to watch them all again, and that's a long, bloody time. Look, okay, but I think he has built Robert, uh, Charlie Brooker, not Robert Altman, sorry, Charlie Brooker, his version of the Greek chorus. Okay, now, Oedipus, or the Aristea, okay, these ancient Greek tragedies, there was always a group of people who were observing it, but not part of it, who were separate from it. And they were, in effect, you, because you're in the audience, and the reason you're watching this drama is because it's cathartic. It helps you heal. By watching the tragedy, where are all these people going? By, 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 by watching the tragedy, it makes you question who you are, and it helps you le reach a higher level of consciousness. Um, but there's always a Greek chorus, and the Greek chorus is always singing about what's going on, you know, the tragedy. You know, he's killed his father, oh no, oh no, a plague upon his house, oh no, right? Now, Charlie Brooker's version of the Greek chorus, right, are these four or five dudes, uh, these blokes, okay, just fucking watching, right? And it, there's usually the same four or five blokes, and they appear in White Christmas as well, okay? But they also appear in the first episode, and I think they appear in quite a few episodes, because everyone's watching, okay? These four or five dudes, right? There's this... this, this uh, you know, the, the, this British guy, you know, drinking in, a, in the pub, you know, and then there's this Scottish guy, well, oh my God, look at that, you know, the Scottish, and there's this Irish, <laughs> right, uh, and this Cockney accent, oh, like, blimey, okay, right, and they're always watching this shit, and they're always laughing, right, they're always watching, and they're always laughing, okay, and that's important, that is important, okay, now, a brief synopsis of what this episode is, White Christmas, it's called White Christmas, Two men find themselves in a remote uh, station. Maybe it's a weather station. They never actually say what it is, okay? They've been there for five years, and it's only been them, the two of them, okay? And outside is snow. So it's like in the Arctic. It's like at the, maybe it's Antarctica. It's never, you never actually know where it is. Um, one man is named Joe. I don't remember the other guy's name. I don't know, I have to look that up again shit that'll fuck up this whole synopsis won't it um they're both you know whatever it is they're monitoring whatever it is they're doing and it's been five years and they haven't spoken to one another very much in five years and so the guy says look joe why don't you want to talk to me and he's making a meal and they're sharing a meal together and he's like joe it's been five years we've been up here five years okay i why don't we talk about some stuff and get to know each other and joe's very reluctant and so the guy says, all right, I'll start. I'll start. Okay, I'll tell you what, you know. Uh, and he tried to make sort of a game out of it. Look, I'll tell you who I am. Okay. There are three short stories in this episode. Right? And they're, they're, the depth is incredible in this, in, in this episode. The first two are this guy. What, he, what is he doing? What he's experiencing? What, okay, his first story that he tells Joe how he ended up uh, getting arrested, okay? He was running a, I don't know what you'd call it. He was running a, a school to give men confidence to ask women out, right? How to hit on them, how to manipulate them, how to get them to sleep with you, okay? And what he does is he has a, a, like a virtual reality helmet on, 
so do the blokes. They're watching and they're loving it. Now, Joe, the 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 guy, you know, I don't just doesn't know that the blokes are watching him. He thinks he thinks the the trainer is the only one who can see him, but they all can. Okay, they're all watching him because the girls are hot. Ah! So this voyeurism, okay, but he's trying to tell the guy he it's like a secret service helmet or something he's got a thing in his ear and he can hear the guy's voice and the guy's coaching him on what to say to these girls he's crashed this corporate christmas party he doesn't work for the company at all but the guy on the other end has all the information in front of him and so he's telling the guy what to say so he can pretend he's working for the company and that he knows all these people and he's faking it right and every step of the way he's being led told what to say by this guy, how to stand, how to talk, what tone of voice, what words to say, and the one he's attracted to is this really hot, brunette, dark-haired chick. And so he tells him, good, go after the blonde, right? And he does exactly what he's told, you know, make, make her want, make the dark-haired chick more interested, because he's ignoring her. <laughs> so at a certain point, hang on. At a certain point, he gets her alone in a room together because she's the outsider, and he really wants her. And it turns out she wants him too. Only what she wants him for is not what he thinks. <laughs> okay, so he goes back to her apartment with her, and uh, he thinks he's going to get lucky. And she's hot, so who wouldn't go to her apartment? Anybody, I would, you would. Come on, guys, look, if you're a woman in the audience, sorry, I... I this is what the story is. Right? I'm, not, I'm not trying to degrade in any way uh, women, okay? But look, so he thinks he's going to get lucky, and he's kind of drunk, and she's kind of drunk, and how great, right? Only her desire is to kill herself, okay? Because that's what the voices are telling her to do. And she's like, I know you can hear them. I saw you talking to yourself. You can hear them just like me. And we're together. And now we're gonna, we're gonna both be together in paradise. And you know, we're gonna escape all this. And he's poisoned. She's poisoning him and he's dying, right? Wow, 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 it's awesome. Okay? And what's happening? The blokes think he's gonna get lucky. At first, they're all loving it. They're watching it. And then she's killing him and he's convulsing and dying and and they love that too they think it's awesome yeah 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 and the guy who's running the dating service realizes what he's done he has just been an accessory to murder and he watched her do it so he's trying to hide everything and he can't in the end he fails like this this little toy he's trying to escape his house and he keeps kicking this toy and his wife wakes up and catches on kind of gets on to what he's doing so kachunk he's in jail there's another episode, um, the second one, where he talks about this. Before that dating thing. Now, you've got to watch the episode, okay? Please, I've assumed you've watched the episode. I can't talk like this to you unless you've watched it, okay? If you haven't, God God forbid, I'm so sorry. I, I, tr I said in the beginning it was a spoiler alert, and I'm saying it again now. That is a big truck. There's a, a, a woman, a beautiful, dark-haired, I mean, there 
aren't they always? A lovely dark-haired girl wakes up in a, in a plain white room, doesn't know how she got there. She remembers going to the doctor for some reason, doesn't remember exactly why. Whatever she was doing, she didn't expect this. She's alone in a room. Can't get out. The guy cranks up the juice, and he's, he's, he's there, he's manifest, he's talking to her. And what do you think she does? She does what you or I would do. Why am I here? Let me out, okay? Let me out, let me out, right? And it turns out what's happened is this chick has copied her consciousness. Copied it. This is a recurrent theme as well. Like a cookie, that's what they call them, cookies. She's uploaded her consciousness into an AI. But it's not, nobody sees that consciousness as being real because it's a copy. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a file. It's like a USB file. But that copy thinks it's, it's human. And it turns out what, what has happened to her is she's been uploaded into this thing so she can run her smart house for herself. So she can look into her bedroom and see herself sleeping. Now the woman who did this she doesn't think that thing has any any uh, rights at all, or any any it has no no living nothing. It's it do what I say. It's a machine. It's an artificial, but it is her consciousness, and and they can accelerate the time that she's experiencing, and it helps break her. You know, if you're six months alone in a room, what do you do? You you lose your mind. Okay, of course you would. But the humans outside don't see that, they don't see it as torturing another living entity, torturing the consciousness of another human being, uh, condemning the soul of another human being to hell. They see it as, this is just, I can turn it off, it's just a computer. It, it's not real, it's not me. I, I let it copy enough of my brain to function and have intellect, but it's not me. I don't care what it, what it feels, what it goes through. It's gonna do what I say. And that's important, because in the third episode, that's when Joe finally begins to crack, okay? To crack. And he, and he says to the guy, look, you know, that's horrible. That's horrible. You, you, you've, you've tortured. You tortured her. That's horrible. And he starts to cry, and the guy says to him, well, I know you're a good man, Joe. I can see it in your eyes. You're a good man. Okay. And, he, and he, so he doesn't react with anger. When Joe accuses him of that, he says, I know you're a good man. So whatever you tell me, I know you're good. I know, I understand. Whatever happened to you, I understand. Okay? At the end of this synopsis, I'll explain what that was. Anybody who's had any, any experience in, 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 in uh, criminal uh, crime and justice knows what that is. Right? Where are these people going? So Joe, turns out he has the awesome life. The, the, the beautiful girl that's married him. He's living in an amazing house. But something's wrong. Something's wrong 
because the beautiful girl isn't ready to have her 2.2 kids yet. Okay? So Joe's wife is considering having an abortion. Joe doesn't want her to do it. Right? He wants to keep it. He thinks, you know, she says, I'm not ready for this. He says that they are ready for it. And it's time. Why don't we do it? She's, no, I'm 27. Uh, I still, there's stuff I still want to do. You've seen the show. You know what I'm talking about. So they begin to have domestic quarrel. And she can't take arguing with them anymore. She can't stand it. Now, they both have these electrodes so they can use their virtual reality, sensual uh, interface. Okay, it's an enhanced interface with the world. And if you wish, you can censor it. If you want to, you can turn someone off, like unfriending, okay? Like on Facebook, you fucking, you unfriend somebody. Wah, 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 wah. You throw, you do a little command for your headset or whatever, and everything shuts down for that person. You can't hear their voices anymore. You can't see their face anymore. All you see is this white ghost blob thing. So that's what she does to, to Joe. And he's trying to get her to pay, but she doesn't, you know. She can't hear him. She can't see him. She wants him gone so she can not be bothered by him anymore. But their fighting escalates and escalates. And eventually she leaves him, and there's a kind of a restraining order. And what makes it really horrible is she leaves him, but has the child, okay? A beautiful little girl. As far as he sees it, that's his daughter. But it's not. Okay, that's, he thinks that, he sees that, that's his daughter, okay? All he wants to do is meet her daughter and love her and be, be the father that he knows he can be. He's a good man after all, isn't he? Right? Wah, 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 wah. Her, her, the girl, her family, they've all shut him out. They're all just white blobs. Okay? So he, he can't really interact with her until the woman dies. She gets killed in a train wreck. <laughs> okay? And then it turns off the unfriending. Now he can see his daughter. Okay? Because before, even she was cut off. Okay? But now he can see her because she's dead. Right? She died in a train crash. <laughs> and so what does he do? He tries to go up and, and, and talk to the little girl. Right? What happens? She's Asian. He's not. It turns out she was having an affair with one of her co-workers. <laughs> right? And so what does he want to do? He still wants to be the, the daughter, the daughter's father. Hold on, wait for this. Okay, but he can't. But he tries. He goes into this big kind of mansion palatial home and her father is still alive. He's grief-stricken. He's angry. He's invading. Joe is invading his space. They send the girl upstairs. The, the old man's trying to protect her because now he's like a, a prowler, a stalker, okay, which he is. He's a stalker. And they get into, he tries to banish him. Get out of my house, you know, and he's right. Get out of my house. And what happens? Joe pushes him, the guy falls down, smashes his head on the corner of the counter or something, and is dead. Dead. 
<laughs> Dead. Now he's a murderer, okay? A murderer. <laughs> right? And so then what does he do? Okay? He hit the old man with a snow globe. The snow globe is a recurrent theme in this episode. Not, not the others, not so much, but in this one it is. Uh... I, 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 I can't resist. It's, I can't. I can't. I, I'm sorry. I can't bear it. Okay, anymore. The snow globe, it's a little world in that snow globe. Okay? But you know what that little world is in that snow globe? It's, it's, it's Joe trapped in this room with this guy. And then the snow globe that's in that room, because he has it in the room with him, is an even smaller world. And what's in it? The, the building where the little house where he is trapped with Joe and it's ad infinitum it goes on and on and on forever the snow globe so what happens the little girl waits to try to get the old man to wake up he's dead a couple of days go by and she goes out to get help she's like four years old what happens she freezes to death the poor creature now he's murdered an old man and a child and so what is this? Where are they in this outpost? <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> Joe is being interrogated by the guy. Okay, so that you know what I, you know what I mean by this, okay? He was building rapport. He was in, uh, building rapport with he wanted to break to crack Joe. <laughs> and eventually he does. And then what happens? He takes off the helmet Un, un, uh, takes off the electrodes, whatever. Bzz, bzz, bzz. <laughs> he turns to the cops next to him in the police station, and he says, "Yep, yep, I cracked him. I knew I'd do it. It only took sixty or seventy minutes, but I knew I could do it." And what happens? Joe is in the cell. <laughs> they uploaded his consciousness into this cookie thing. They put it into a computer. They built a virtual world, and they made him confess to his crime. So, even if Joe remains silent. It doesn't matter because the other version of Joe confessed. So he's guilty of murder. But then what happens? The guy was trying to get his sentence reduced. Sentence reduced, right? I don't know why my foot's going to sleep. He's trying to get his sentence reduced. So he agreed to use his skills to break the criminal and get him to confess to being a criminal. But they're not going to allow Joe, the guy to get away with that. Why? Because he's on the sexual offender list. Why is he on that list? Well, because he, he, he watched people murder, and, and, and I'd have to watch it again to do, get the exact thing. But they have him on this list, okay? The sexual offenders list. And what's his punishment? <laughs> Everyone in the world is blocked. Wah, 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 wah. So for the rest of his life, he can't see anybody. He can't talk to anyone. They don't hear him. He doesn't see them or hear them. It's all just white ghost blobs. He's alone in this gigantic empty world. Wah, 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 wah. Okay, what's that? That's the mark of Cain. When you're a manslayer, that's the mark of Cain. Right? Charlie Parker knows his Bible. <laughs> That's the mark of Cain. Everyone knows you've murdered. When, when Cain slew Abel, God struck him with lightning on his forehead and marked him. 
And Cain, what did he say? He said, my sins are more than I can bear. It's more than I can bear. Well, it's a bit late, Cain. You figured it out a bit too late. That jealousy and envy uh, for, for your brother, you figured it out too late. Hold on. So what does he say? He says, my sins are more than I can bear. And I'm marked as a manslayer, a, a spiller of blood, whatever, right? And so God tells him, I will protect you. I'll make sure that nobody will ever harm you no matter where you go. But everywhere you go, you have to bear this mark of your sin. And that's his punishment. And that's exactly what happens to this poor bastard <laughs> at the end of the episode. <laughs> okay, so... I think at, at a certain point, I, I don't know exactly, I'd have to look it up. I think at one point he does try to hug someone, he can't bear it. I mean, can you imagine? You're in a world where you can't talk to anybody, ever. But there's someone else who's also blocked out for whatever reason, and they can't see each other either, but they sort of understand the situation they're in. And I think at one point he, he's able to hug someone, I don't know. Uh, but it's, 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 it's a number of questions about technology and... and consciousness and the soul and there's the the interwoven themes in black mirror all of them everything you'll see in every episode of black mirror manifests itself some way in white christmas what does that imply philosophically phenomenologically because we know we know we're watching the show we know that those people are real that's their essence or whatever it is they're real somehow where are all these people going <laughs> why don't I temporarily shut this off we'll call this part one uh and I'll try to resume later in the evening when there's not so much traffic. So let's do that. We'll stop here. Let's say stop.